Our scripture reading is out of the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, verses 20 through, or 22 through 25. These are Jesus' words. He says, Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, Go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. This is God's word for God's people. We are in the third week uh, of a series called Unoffendable, where we're talking about how we deal with uh, the the feeling of offense. What do we do with that? Because uh, there does seem to be like an increase of that in the world around us. I don't think I need to like go through the trouble of proving that point. You're in the world around you, right? I was, man, I was at at a store yesterday and there was a dude who had like an outsized um, interaction with an employee about their selection of tablecloths. You know, he wanted to be like, buddy, it's going to be fine. Like, you're, the tablecloth thing, it's, you're going to be okay. And, you know, like, is there this, um, he's, there was like an offense there. And what do we, what do, we do with our uh, offenses, especially in a culture that seems to be growing in um, kind of just making space for that level of interaction with each other? And even in the church, people who are following Jesus, sometimes there's this feeling of that that's, um, that, that, that that's almost like the right thing to do is to carry with us kind of like an offendable attitude into the world. And we were, uh, I was sitting with my family right over there um, to my right last week and listening to Ron preach. And there was a scripture he read that I don't know how many times I've heard it or read it my own in my life, but it just hit me different. And it's one of the things that I love about the word of God is that when we come to it again and again, it often has something fresh for us again and again and again. But, but I just, I just want to read this to you um, and, and let's just have an experiment together. Listen to this a piece at a time as if God meant it. You with me on that? Okay, just, just let's go for a stretch here, all right, on this. All right, so let's let, hang on. So this is Paul writing to the people in Rome. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Not just the people who are like me, not just the people who are close to me, but if they're a person... I'm supposed to try to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with, would you say this word with me? Everyone. Do not take revenge. My dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, 
says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. How are you doing right now? Like, does that, I don't know what, that, that has had this like weight on me as I've been thinking about like this, no one is good at this on their own. Nobody, nobody, no one in human history seems to be good at this on their own. No one that I know, no one that I've been close to. And, and you know, this um, do not repay evil for evil, that's interesting because the idea of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, that was a real step forward for humanity. That, that was a moment of progress for us as people because, there, you, know, you know how this goes, like, you kill my cow, I burn down your house, right? And this, like, cycle, you know, picks up this, like, endless increasing cycle of what we, what we claim is justice but is often just revenge and trying to, like, regain control in our world, and, and Jesus comes along and he says, that's not the thing. Even my own family, we were talking yesterday, I think it was yesterday, um, about, about school and you know, n- new challenges at school, potentially. And, um, and one of the people in my family said, well, I'll be nice to them if they're nice to me. Which makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense for us, right? That's eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. That is, we have risen to the moral level of paganism. Like, we have gotten that far. That's not bad. That's better than where we were, which is, I just, like, try to dominate everybody. But I'll be nice to you if you're nice to me is the way the world works, but is contrary to the way of Jesus. Jesus is, he is opposed to that way of thinking. And if I am a follower of Jesus, he puts a requirement on my life that means that I'll be nice to you if you're nice to me is beneath me. Because we do not repay evil for evil. How are you guys doing with this? I mean, like, oh my gosh, Jesus, he's just like, he's this wild man, right? He comes, in, he comes into spaces and starts saying things like, pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who hate you. If your enemy is in need, take care of him. And, and what's absolutely nuts is that the people that were with him in the first century, they believed him. They would, wouldn't have that been easy in that moment to, to, like, to go home and to like talk to your family on the way after you went to hear the, the rabbi teach and you're walking home and, and they're asking questions about that and you just kind of pass it off as like, oh, that's kind of metaphor or like he was talking big or he, you know, that seems like the kind of thing that we would have wiggled our way out of, right? But what's absolutely mind-blowing to me is that the early followers of Jesus, they took his word on that and believed him, and in doing so, they turned the world upside down. Upside down. When, when Christianity was illegal for the first 300 years, 300 years, and not all the time, but there were moments when like this explosion would happen against Christianity and they would be fed to lions or crucified or executed in other ways. Nero apparently liked to burn people in his garden hanging uh, and use them as, as lights to walk around in his garden at night. Um, like, 
And because the Christians followed Jesus so closely and took him seriously on that, this blessing their enemy thing is a part of why in 300 years, half of the Roman Empire were followers of Jesus. Half. How does that happen? And just these revolutionary ideas that they saw as a requirement that Jesus was placing on their life to not repay anyone for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If your enemy is, fee- if your enemy is hungry, feed him. I mean, th- this, is, this is world-changing stuff. And I, I guess I read that, and one of my honest first reactions is, I don't think I can do it. Like, or I think I can, and then I go and try, you know, and you meet that guy. Do you know that guy? Do you know, are you related to that guy? Do you live with that guy? You know what I mean? And like, and I'm doing okay until I like meet people. Like ideas, I'm great with ideas. People, hard. People are hard. And, uh, and I just, I don't think I can do it very well. And I was, you know, kind of working on, on this, like, how are we gonna, how are we gonna do this? Because we're not just talking about the things, the offenses that we take that we shouldn't take, like the things that, um, that we shouldn't even be hurt over. Like, the guys, there's so much stuff that we just don't even need to be hurt over. Like, you don't, I don't, I don't. We can just let stuff go. It can just roll off, it's fine. You, you know, you're not that big a deal, they're not bag- that big a deal. We can just drop it and, and move on and be happy people. But then there are the things that actually do hurt. There are the things that are actual arrows that get stuck in us, splinters that get under our skin because somebody sinned against us. They made a wrong choice, often on purpose, and it hurt. Now, how are we supposed to carry that kind of stuff? And Jesus, uh, gathering his disciples around him, this is in Mark 11, um, starting in verse 22, He says, have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, and if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Can I just point something out? In all my years of not just ministry, but following Jesus, I have never taught nor heard that section connected, those two major ideas connected to each other as Jesus has them in one paragraph. He has this thing that, you know, if you, I tell you, if you say to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and you don't doubt, but believe, it will be done for you. Whatever you ask for in prayer believe that you've received it and it will be yours. I have heard that taught and sometimes in Christianity it can come like with this weird flavor of like Jesus is our genie in a bottle, right? You just gotta rub him the right way and he'll give you what you want, you know? And, and here's, here's the whole thing about like, you know, is that, does that count for playing the lottery? Is, you know, like, what's the lot? Is the lottery still up to like 1.3 billion? No one in here knows. I'm so glad. Uh, <laughs> Spend your money on better things. Like, that is a waste of your money, right? But, but here's, like, at least, I think maybe a week ago or so, it was up, like, it was up to $1.3 billion. Do you think nobody was praying for that? <laughs> and praying real hard. I mean, real hard. I wouldn't even know what to do with $1.3 billion, right? I mean, like, 
Just because, and I think you know this, like we read that and we're like, okay, Jesus, but then when we try, like when we close our eyes and we pray real hard, like real hard for stuff, sometimes God answers our prayer and we see things come. Sometimes it doesn't, right? Anybody here batting a thousand on prayer requests? (laughs) Our church will hire you on staff today. Right? And so, like, what is, what is going on there? What is going on there? And I think I failed to connect it to the paragraph that Jesus was in. And he says, that mountain that you think can never be moved, I tell you, if you believe, it will be moved. And what I'm talking about is your ability to forgive your brother if you have anything against him. If you have anything against your brother, you can forgive him. And if so, your Father in heaven will forgive you. That what is Jesus interested in helping us change, both in our hearts and in the world? What is the mountain that we need moved? And Jesus seems to say it is our ability to forgive our brothers and sisters when they have sinned against us. Now that, all of a sudden, sounds like Jesus to me. And he carries us into that space. So I guess what I, what I want to start off with, if you're, if you're like me and you're feeling like that thing that Jesus is requiring of us as disciples, I can't do it. I think he would say, yeah, you're right. You can't. But if the Holy Spirit is living in you, he can give you the faith that you need to be able to forgive your brother or sister so that you can move forward and receive forgiveness from your Father in heaven. Now, I think it also helps to define forgiveness uh, correctly. So I've asked um, Daniel to come and help me out. And, um, and I'm going to, big fan of Daniel over here. All right, that sounds good. I am too. Yeah. Um, okay. Any, anytime you walk on stage with a box of blocks, you know yeah. it's about to be a good time. Yeah, that's right. So. Okay. All right. So let's just, let's just consider that these, ooh, here we go, are are offenses. These are things that I am doing to wound Daniel, okay? Maybe I make a little snarky comment because he didn't like my idea in a meeting, and he can kind of just absorb that. He can kind of handle that. Uh, maybe I, uh, I don't reply um, to his email because I just don't want to deal with the issue that he brought up. Maybe one of you sends me an email, and I'm like, hey, Daniel, you need to answer an email that someone sent me. Um, you, you know, those emails. I don't know, like, what they are, but over time, I can start to add offenses to Daniel, and when they're small, you know, maybe we can kind of handle those. Every now and then, they're a little bigger, right? The people that we interact with regularly, and Daniel's like, I love my boss. He pulls me on stage and throws wooden blocks at me. This is so great. I'm going to um, get him a coffee cup that says, best boss of the year. Right. <laughs> and I, if over time, we kind of just keep piling up offenses, both maybe medium size and maybe the small ones. And over time, after a while, you can see what happens. We just can't, there you go, that's nice. Um, we just can't handle carrying all of them anymore. And, and they spill. And the offenses that I have given him, after a while, they just start to leak out on everybody else around them, yeah? And here's the thing, I think there's several reasons why we don't forgive. I mean, some of it's our pride, some of it's they don't deserve it, some of it's we don't wanna get hurt again. I think sometimes we don't forgive because we're too nice. 
because we're too nice, because we're just like, no, everything's fine. I can handle it. I can handle it. I can handle it. And we don't want to be the person, you know, we want to be the good Christian. And so we just like don't think that um, we should ever be upset about anything that someone has done to us. And after, after a while, they just start to spill out. And so, that's right. <laughs> Could you do another one? That's right. Here you go. Great. All right. So Daniel has to do the job of hanging out here for a little while. Let me talk a little bit about what what forgiveness is. I think this helps because what do we do when we're carrying a mountain like this that needs to be moved? And these are things that have built up over a long time, right? Forgiveness, first of all, is not ignoring the wrong. So Daniel doesn't need to pretend like these don't exist because they pile up anyway and that's why when your sister is over for Thanksgiving and she makes a comment about your dessert, all of a sudden something leaks out of you. I'm sure no one in here knows what I'm talking about, right? Right, because we've ignored it, because we've ignored it. We've just dealt with it. You know, we've just kind of pretended like it's not there. Uh, Also, forgiveness isn't excusing the wrong. It's not saying this is fine. Forgiveness isn't saying, this is fine, he means well, he's a nice guy, we should just, I mean, like everybody has rough edges, and so we just deal with it. Does that help him get rid of any of these? No, 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 it doesn't, even though that sounds kind of nice. Uh, Also, forgiveness isn't minimizing the wrong. For example, if Daniel said, Brett, I need to forgive you this much because this is how much you hurt me, what does that do? He's still left with everything else. So minimizing the wrong actually prevents forgiveness from happening, right? So we, here, I'll give this to them back. There you go, very nice. Um, so we shouldn't minimize the wrong. That's not forgiveness, saying it's less than it really is. Also, uh, forgiveness isn't forgetting the wrong. For if Daniel puts these in a backpack and just carries around um, and just sort of like shoves them in the room, that, that's not forgiving Either, I think sometimes we, we think that if we just forget, 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 that's okay. You know, even in my walk with Jesus, what he has forgiven me of is a part of our story together. That becomes a part of our relationship. The things that he has saved me from, the things he has forgiven me of, that becomes a part of our walk with one another. And forgiveness is not automatic relationship repair. It, just because um, Daniel forgives me doesn't necessarily mean the relationship is repaired. Sometimes it is. I hope it is. I hope there is the ability for relationship to be repaired. But it doesn't always work like that. Sometimes we need boundaries. Sometimes we even need separation from a relationship. When Jesus says, forgive your brother or sister so that your Father in heaven will forgive you, the Greek word there is aphimi, which simply means to send away. Not to ignore, not to minimize, but just to... Thank you, Jesus. Those are getting heavy. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, Brad. Just to drop it. The offenses that stand between you and I, I am simply going to set those aside. I know what they are. I know how big they are. I know how much they hurt but I am not going to carry them anymore. I am going to set them aside and they will not stand between you and me any longer. That's the kind of thing that we're talking about here. Now I have to make sure I don't trip on my little Jenga blocks. But that is quite challenging. Like Jesus, when he's talking, um, (laughs) he's teaching on something similar 
and, uh, and someone gets the bright idea to raise a question. Can you guess who it is? Pete's Peter. It's always Peter. Teachers, do you have a Peter in your class? You know, that you're like, just let me talk. And anyway, that's Peter. So Peter, then Peter came to Jesus, this is Matthew 18, and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Can you just picture the look on, on Peter's face? He's like, I have to do math now? Like, I didn't think this was going to be that hard. And, and here, a couple of things. First of all, I want to acknowledge, usually when I preach on forgiveness, I am working on that, that major traumatic thing that happened. And I, I realize that I, I almost want to set that in a different category because the process that is needed often to work through those. We gotta work through those, we need to forgive, but I don't want you to hear me being flippant today. Today, I wanna primarily talk about the things that just happen in the flow of our life where the people that we know wound us, you know, over and over and over again in little ways and in medium ways. Today, I, I wanna set aside the conversation around the, the gigantic, the tree that someone dropped on you. I want to let you know that I, that I hear that is different. But it's interesting to me that um, Peter comes to Jesus with this, with this question because, uh, as you might know, in the cultural teaching around them, the, the rabbis would say, forgive someone th- up to three times. That's doing pretty good. If someone bonks you in the back of the head and you forgive them three times, you did really good. A fourth, you can bonk them in the head back. Right? That sounds pretty good. And so Peter, among other things, he comes to Jesus and he says, how about seven? I've noticed you're a a pretty pretty forgiving guy. Seven? Jesus goes, ah, how about 77? Or it's hard to tell in the language what's going on. Is it seven times seven? Um, Seven in the Jewish pool of images was completeness. And Peter says, "Do do I forgive them all the way through? And Jesus goes, ah, how about all the way through and then all the way through again and maybe all the way through again and maybe all the way through again. Because I'm betting you know how living in relationship with people works. There's the promise of forgiveness. I forgive you. And then there's the process of I am forgiving you. There's a promise and there's a process. And faith constantly pulls us into that promise and process relationship, maybe as we talked about with the the mountain being moved in prayer, having enough faith for that to happen. Because for example, um, when I have faith in Jesus, I am saved. There's a promise that I am saved. And there's a process that I enter into of I am being saved. He is working out in me my salvation and I am working that out with him, like as, as Paul says, with fear and trembling. And then there's this one day I will be saved totally. I will be everything that Jesus ever dreamed about me being. And in forgiveness, there's this promise and this process of by faith, we can say, you are forgiven and I am forgiving you and you will be forgiven. And by faith, I think that's all true all at the same time. And I think Jesus, sometimes he calls us into forgiving people completely and then completely again and then completely again as the need comes up in our hearts for forgiveness. 
And, uh, and Peter, maybe insightfully, he says, if a brother or sister sins against me, you know the people that wound us most are not our enemies. The people that wound us most are our family, it's our church, it's our friends. That those are the places that we have to have forgiveness queued up and ready to go. Wendell Berry, who's like the champion of the small town community, one of my favorite authors, sweet, sweet man, um, such a gift to us. He talks about in small communities, you have to have forgiveness ready like a fire extinguisher. Like it, it, he calls it prepaid forgiveness. You know, like when I load money onto anybody like have one of those uh, a restaurant they go to and you pay by an app, do you know what I mean? Am I the only person that goes to Starbucks too much? <laughs> or, or, or Chick-fil-A or whatever. You know, and, and you load the money onto the app because in faith, I'm going to spend that one day, right? We're going to get there. I know that I'm going to need that. And so when I pull up, I am already prepared to pay for what's coming my way. And in community, we have to have forgiveness ready like that. You have to have forgiveness built up in your heart. I do too, so that when someone wounds us, it's just ready. It's, just, it's like a fire extinguisher. We can put that out before it gets going. You know, in, in our digital connected world and in larger and larger communities, when someone wounds us, guys, we, we are growing in our inability to forgive, and so we just leave. We leave our relationships, we leave our marriages, we leave our churches, we leave our friends, and, and we don't know how to forgive because when, we don't, when we're carrying that mountain, it starts to ferment into bitterness. And bitterness changes from that thing you did was wrong to the way you are is wrong. And when we're around that person, we have that, it's like this tannic taste in our mouth. And it turns into they can't even do right things anymore. Even if they give us a gift, something about it feels tainted when we're bitter. Even if they give us a compliment, something about it feels like it's stuck with, it's like barbs on it, even, even when they're trying. And that's what happens when that forgiveness ferments and changes into bitterness. And Jesus, he wants better for us. He wants better for us, so he calls us into a cycle, into a promise and a process of forgetting, forgiving, not forgetting, over and over and over again. So I, I just, an oversimplified, maybe way of talking about it, but I want to talk about how do we forgive? What is maybe a process that we go to to forgive? And we have to, we have to figure out what this looks like a step at a time. First of all, I think we have to name the wrong. We have to be able to say, this is the thing that happened. Sometimes this is a conversation with the other person. Sometimes it's not, quite honestly. Sometimes these are things that we can deal with internally. Sometimes we do have to engage with the other person. Secondly, I think it helps to name the effect of the wrong. Because it's not just the thing that they did to us or that I did to you. It's also the waves and the ripples that came after that that were a result. I, I think that that matters. Then if I'm doing well as a Jesus follower, the next thing is I'm going to take time to remember the cross. And maybe it's with my journal, maybe it's in prayer. I'm going to remember the cross where Jesus carried my sin before I asked him to. That he offered me forgiveness before I asked him to. And he carried that for me and for the person that has wounded me. 
then I, I think we name that we are releasing that person from the wrong. That stuff that we're carrying, that mountain, we are going to send it away. Now that may take process, that may take time, depends on how big or small it is, depends on the history probably, but we are gonna name that we are sending that thing away. And then lastly, we're gonna ask the Holy Spirit for God to continue to change and heal our heart, however long it takes. And if we live with people, this is always on cue. This is always on cue. Right? Look, forgiveness is completely optional for the person that is up for isolation in a loveless life. Totally optional. If we want connection and to experience love, forgiveness is not optional and it is found in the way of Jesus. If, if that's something that, that you want to grow in because relationships are challenging, we have a course that we've mentioned earlier called Emotionally Healthy Relationships that's starting soon. And I would encourage you um, to check it out and you can, um, I think you can head to the connection area and, uh, and get information about that or check it out on the guide. But this promise and process is where we find healing and wholeness. Jesus in, in Mark 11, in verse 25, there's this like scary little two words and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Does that scare anybody else? Does that scare anybody else? That scares me a little bit. My first thought is that forgiveness is a snorkel. If you're plugging it up, if you're not able to exhale forgiveness, you're not going to be able to breathe in either. It's something that we have blocked that God wants to give us, but we've like plugged the deal up. But that word, so that, interesting, I was digging around in the language a little bit. It's a verb, as it says, of place. It's like when you forgive them here, here, your father will forgive you. It's, it's about in this space, in this moment of forgiveness, we're able to give and receive. It's like this act of giving forgiveness builds a little cathedral or an altar or a communion table. And it becomes a holy space. Here, when we forgive someone else, this is a holy place and God is ready to bless us with forgiveness. It's a place that we give and we receive. It's as if how we love our neighbor had something to do with how we love God himself. I don't know who came up with that idea, but wow. And here, this becomes a holy space. And I guess my hope for you and for me is that our life becomes like littered with altars and cathedrals and communion tables and holy spaces because we have both offered forgiveness and received it from the God of the cross. So I don't know where you are at today and the wounds that you carry. I'm sure you carry them. We all do. But today as we head towards the table, I'd like you to consider what wounds can you forgive today? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to be like you and you are different than we are. 
God, would you, would you help us to find a holy space here? And Lord, I ask that you would right now, that you would bring to mind somebody that we need to forgive because we are carrying wounds and we have offense in our hearts that we have come by honestly, but it is time to lay those down. And Jesus, as as people are coming to the table today, and people, as you are coming to the table today, Holy Spirit, would you have working in our hearts the ability to just on our lips say, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. And as we receive the bread and the wine today, that we would know that we too have been forgiven. Amen. Hey, we're so glad you tuned in today. If you like this video, don't forget to give it a thumbs up and share it with anyone you think could benefit. We're excited about all the content we have coming up and can't wait for you to see it. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss out. And if you're curious about LaCroix or if you're looking to take the next step on your journey with Jesus, check out LaCroixChurch.org. We hope to see you again soon.